anything you dream of, you can have it. You look like you saw a ghost. Diana, look at you. It's like not one day has passed. I don't want to be like anyone. I want to be an apex predator. You've always had everything, while people like me have had nothing. Well, now it's my turn. Hello and welcome to Step and Repeat, a weekly movies and award show podcast by your two neighborhood friendly film buffs. And I am Andrew. And I'm Matt. And welcome to our first show of 2021. We finally made it. Uh, it but uh, despite the weird year for movies in 2020 and what will continue to be weird, uh, year for movies in 2021, we're uh, keeping steady. Uh, and each week, if you're unfamiliar with the podcast uh, and you're listening to us for the first time, uh, each week, Matt and I roll out the red carpet and the titular step and repeat banner for our feature film of the week. And each week, um, or excuse me, sorry. Wow, I'm reading off a script, read the wrong part. My, my B. <laughs> uh, and uh, this week we are still reeling from our Christmas uh, Christmas season and we are covering Wonder Woman 1984 starring Gal Gadot, uh, Kristen Wiig, Pedro Pascal, and Chris Pine directed by Patty Jenkins, the sequel to the 2017 Wonder Woman film. So that will be take up the most of our episode. But uh, before we get into that, um, Matt and I have a quick check in segment that we have with each other, where we kind of ask each other, what are you watching? Uh, type of thing. Um, but I'm gonna uh, surprise matt even before we get into the what are you watching oh no <laughs> real quick matt do you have any new year's resolutions and do any of them evolve film oh wow that's a good question um my new year's resolution involving film is to <laughs> uh i guess see more than i did last year <laughs> i don't know uh or i mean I hope all of our resolutions is that we can get back into theaters by like middle of or fall. Uh, but I don't know. Yeah, no, I don't I, think so. It, I didn't thought about it that much. There will definitely be more movies this year. I can't speak to the theater thing because it's foolhardy to predict anything, I feel like. Um, uh, but I think we'll like we'll definitely get more movies than we did last year because number one productions are back like almost completely uh to record um to film stuff but two they've kind of like figured out like how to release stuff which is basically all digitally and there were like those few months in 2020 where they didn't really know what they were doing and they kept delaying everything so now it's like they've got they kind of got that out of control so so i i 
think there'll be more movies plus the weird Oscar year. So like next year Oscars in theory will be back to normal. So, so that'll yeah. add, just add to more film in general. Yeah. It's going to be like super weird because we have, I know we have a lot of big budget movies coming out and it's like, like having to see them all on digital on a small screen is going to be rough. And like, Plus, I also like face moral dilemma. Like, oh, do I like give in to the Warner Brothers uh, scheme and like watch these movies on on demand? Or I don't know. I mean, I really don't have like any other way, any other choice, do I? So, like, I'll see Dune, but I like I don't want to see it at home. You know. Yeah, I mean, it's this is just like an endless conversation. <laughs> that uh you just like watch it at home i mean if you want or if you want to risk it go to the theaters like it's, it's what it boils down to there's really no escaping this conversation i'm kind of exhausted of it frankly um oh, sorry <laughs> no it's not your fault it's like literally everywhere um you can't avoid it but um uh yeah like more movies in general um my I feel like I like really grasped um first straws this year like I watched a really a lot of really dumb like I don't want to say dumb but like I watched a lot of Netflix stuff that I usually wouldn't watch and not that I'm saying like I'm like stooping down to any level because I really I'm not saying that at all but like I want to watch more quality content and like more better stuff because we we were deprived of a lot of that this year so um, one of my New Year's resolutions, um, this will, this somewhat ties into my, what are you watching? But one of my um, New Year's resolutions is to catch up on like 20 year, um, anniversary movies that like will get a lot of attention this year. So movies that came out in 2001, there's going to be all these articles and all these people like rewatching stuff that came out in, um, 2001. So, um, so I'm either planning on rewatching some of those uh, 2001 movies uh, that I hadn't seen. Um, I'm sorry, rewatching ones I had seen, or and or catching up on ones that <laughs> I haven't seen in um, in the 20 years since they came out. So, um, so um, forgive my ignorance, but what's this? What's special about 20 year thing? Oh, it's just, just like. I mean, just like people revisit a lot of stuff. Like you just like revisit things 20 years later. There's like a lot of articles written about it. It's like on a lot of people's minds, like film journalists' minds. Okay, gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah. So, yeah. so like <laughs> revisiting the others 20 years later, because I know yeah. they're remaking that actually. Yeah. <laughs> Which I know came out this one. That's like, that's like an exact um, example. So, um, and like a big one this year is going to be lord of the rings um it's the 20 year anniversary oh my god oh you're gonna make me cry um <laughs> so i probably will hold off on rewatching those until it's like closer to the holiday season those like are always like super wintry movies to me <laughs> so because they came out in december so um, some of my favorite movies of all time yeah so <laughs> I'm, I'm excited to revisit those um, uh, I know. Uh, first, Fast and Furious actually came out in two thousand one. It did, yeah. yeah and then we're getting the ninth one next year. Yeah. So, um, on the top of my haven't seen 
uh, from 2001, uh, I have never seen Spirited Away, and I'm really looking forward to. Oh, really? To watching it, yeah. It's just like it's always been one of those movies that's been on my like shame list, uh, and uh, so this is the year. So this is the year for me to do it. So I'm excited. Spirited Away. I did see that a long time ago. I think I saw it in theaters actually. Yeah. Well, it came yeah. more than 20 years. <laughs> well, yeah, I guess a yeah. long time is 20 years. Maybe, yeah. So. yeah. Isn't this the year uh, Beautiful Mind won? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Beautiful Mind won this year. Yeah. So. All right, cool. Yeah. Um, well, good luck to you. <laughs> There's a lot of movies you. I don't want to revisit from that year. Uh, but a lot yeah, of I mean, it, yeah. it's like by choice. It's so I can choose which ones I do and don't want to don't want to do. Mm -hmm. Easy enough. Yeah. All right. Um, All right. Well, good segue into my what are you watching? Do you mind if I go first? Yes, go ahead. What are you watching? Uh, so I am watching uh, pretty much the only substantive movie <laughs> that I've watched since our last episode on Soul, other than Wonder Woman, uh, was uh, the movie Almost Famous, which uh, just celebrated its 20 year anniversary in 2020 since it came out in 2000 and so there were like again all these like articles like written about it people were like talking about it and there was even um a whole podcast series um on its season a whole podcast season um the podcast like origins where like all the cast and crew uh or all the major cast and crew like got back together and talked about it so um uh, and, uh, so I rewatched, uh, Almost Famous and I adore this movie so much. Like this is like movie magic to me. Uh, and it's just like really fascinating because it was a box office flop. It like did not do well at the box office for a like mid-sized studio movie, which I could talk forever um about like the death of the mid-size studio movie which you just like don't see anymore or see less of uh and didn't do well um the box office uh but it's like really connected with a lot of people and it's built this cult-like following where i had i know like several people including friend of the pod bay uh, who like adore this movie uh, and it's like really special to them. I have family members um, who are musicians who um, like find this movie really special. And uh, it's like, I watched it again and it's like super moving. It's funny. Uh, it's uh, nostalgic in a good way. <laughs> and um, it's, has a lot more people in it than you remember. There's like a lot of famous stars uh, and like people before they became famous. So um, I loved it. And I listened to like the six episode podcast series, like all about like the filming and who was like originally attached to star Brad Pitt and uh, like all these like crazy stories, like from the set and um, Cameron Crowe, who I also, um, really like and like appreciate as a filmmaker. So um, loved Almost Famous and it's on Amazon Prime if you have an account. So um, would highly recommend revisiting Almost Famous. It stands up um, with the exception of 
one scene slash line uh, that does not stand up, uh, hold up well. Um, everything else is like, is perfect. It's like a pretty perfect movie for, for me. So almost well, famous is what I've been watching. I've never seen it. Oh, um, it's very nice. It's, it's pretty much everything that I just described. <laughs> uh, so, uh, um, you would, I think, You'd be shocked to learn like how many people are in it. You would just like watch it and be like, oh my God, like that person's in it too. Like they're the obvious ones. Um, like, um, so Billy Crudup is one of the lead characters. Patrick Fugit is the, like the boy. Um, he's probably still most famous for almost famous, but he did like other stuff like First Man and Gone Girl. Um, Kate Hudson plays Penny Lane, the best character in the movie uh Frances McDormand like the mom and those are like only the the small ones there's like a ton more it's like a big cast um so and I remember like this is like really weird the 2000 Oscars I remember like really wanting Kate Hudson to win even though I'd never seen the movie I was just like really wanting Kate Hudson to win best supporting actress and then Marsha Gay Harden Harden won uh for Pollock and I was like, remember being kind of upset uh, for no reason other than probably she was just like a pretty 21 year old girl. <laughs> and I was like, uh, just wanted her to win. Um, and she is fantastic in the movie too. Um, and she has never quite gotten a role that good <laughs> again. Um, and she has it in her clearly, um, but it won best original screenplay. so. It did win an Oscar and it has like, it reached the people it needed to reach uh, and has now built up like this following. So I love it. All right. I well, it. Uh, all right. Well, maybe if we're uh, forced into another pandemic pick of the week. <laughs> I, oh yeah. Up. <laughs> Do like a music one. Um, Cause like music uh, movies, I don't know, <laughs> a possibility. Uh, yeah. Um, so Matt, what are you watching? Um, so I think I've focused like more, most of my, what are you watching is on movies lately. So I think I'm going to switch it back to TV and I'm just going to talk about, um, now that we're like in a new year and like, you know, we've covered like everything. I'm just going to talk about like the trash TV I'm watching right now. Yes. <laughs> if, yes. If that's okay with you. <laughs> Please. I live for this. So, um, all right. Well, where do I start? Um, been watching, uh, so I watched some Jersey Shore, which is complete trash. It's so bad. Um, but, I didn't you know, even know it was still on the air. Oh yeah. It's still on. It's like called family vacation. And like, they like run out this entire hotel in Vegas and they're all there. And like, they're kind of just making fun of the pandemic and it's so stupid and so bad. And it's like, but I just can't get enough of it. I, I love it. I love Jersey Shore. It's hilarious. Um, I've been watching, uh, what else, what else, uh, Below Deck, I love Below Deck, I'm a huge Below Deck fan, um, it's on Bravo, and if you haven't watched it, it's about, like, a bunch of these, like, um, yachties who, uh, work on a boat, work on a yacht, and it's a reality show on Bravo, and again, trash, but I love it, I can't get enough of it, I love how, I love, like, the inner workings of the boat and the crew and how, how they make, like, the yacht work, um, 
it's like it's so it's so cool to watch it's so cool to see how like how much work and um efforts put into it like a single weekend charter it's like it's crazy insane um from like the deck crew to like the interior um i just love it i can't get enough of it like yeah there's drama but like the like the the actual work is like pretty fun to watch it's it's cool i like it. i enjoy it i like it a lot um I know I kind of like fell into this rabbit hole last year of watching his dark materials, but I, I finished season two the other day. Um, and I actually, I thought I actually really enjoyed the second season. It's on HBO max right now. Um, it's based on the second season is based off the second book, which is um, called the subtle knife. Uh, and if you haven't checked out the first season, it's like, okay, but I thought the season two was much, much better. It's way more down to earth. Um, so and and the plot is like it's way more emotional than the first season too so if you watch his dark materials if anyone else out there watches it besides me hit a brother up i want to know what you think um yeah so i also finished the flight attendant on hbo max uh with kaylee cuoco which i actually really got into um again trash tv but like I thought it was really good. <laughs> I thought it was a lot of fun to watch. Um, don't judge me for any of these shows I'm watching because, like, I watch a lot of stuff. I watch a lot of movies and a lot of shows, but there are, like, times when I just need mindless entertainment, and this is the stuff that just, like, feeds me and gives me life. But um, Kaylee Cuoco in The Flight Attendant, I thought she was really good. Um, she really stepped outside of her role in Bing Bang Theory. Um, well, eh, kind of, not really. She, like, kind of grew up a little bit, but then, like, turned into an alcoholic, so... Um, but the plot line is really good. It really draws you in. Um, it's about like this flight attendant who meets this guy in this plane, this like really rich, handsome guy. And then they end up like going together out in Italy or, uh, Rome. No, they're in Italy. And then, um, she like wakes up the next morning, like they like sleep together and like she wakes up the next morning, he's dead. And they kind of have to like, she doesn't remember what happens because she's like, she was drunk the entire time. So it's like a lot of it's about her alcoholism. Um, but they're like forced to put the pieces back together to try to find out what happens. Cause she has like the FBI on her tail the whole time. And she has like a best friend who's a lawyer, like trying to get her out of it. And she's also being stalked by the whole time, the whole time by um, the quote unquote killer, which I won't give away right now. So um, yeah, so those are just a few of the shows I'm watching. Um, just like, yeah, just trash TV. It's great. I love it. And I look forward to more of it in 2021. No shame. Uh, the, one of the vibes that I get from the flight attendant, um, very fittingly is that it's like an airport novel <laughs> that you just kind of like bring on to a plane and like read quickly. It's like a quick, fun and smart read. So, yeah. That's pretty much what the show is. It's yeah. Like quick, quick, fun. It's enjoyable. I like it. Um, I know my aunt, my aunt read the book and she said she couldn't like watch the show because they like changed like a lot of the characters around and she like got really frustrated with it. But, um, if you've read the book, the flight attendant, fair warning, you may not like the show. Um, but yeah, it's like, it's like a quick, fun, witty, um, interesting show that draws you in. I just watched it cause it was like, you know, one of the first HBO max originals and I wanted to catch on before they started <laughs> throwing in a bunch of original content that like netflix is doing now it's the uh, first really big hit for hbo max like when they launched in whatever earlier in 2020 
Um, they had like a couple shows, but like never, none of them really like permeated through like culture. <laughs> mm-hmm. So like no one really kind of talked about them. Um, but like the flight attendant has like finally kind of like broken that barrier for them. And like, finally it's like, they finally have a hit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And uh, it's a, it's a good, it's a good show. It's good. Like I, like, yeah. It's it's fun, um, yeah. The uh, Shoshana from Girls is on it, so she's good too. And um, the guy from The Haunting, the first season, he's he's like the love interest, uh, Michael Michael Hoisman. Hoist, I, 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 I can never pronounce his last name. Yeah, so yeah. he's in it. Um, so yeah, the the cast is really is really really good. The um, Michelle Gomez, who's also in Sabrina, uh, she's like the villain, quote unquote. So um, Miranda and uh, oh, um, Rosie Perez is in it, is in it as well. Uh, she's like one of she's she was just recently in Birds of Prey. She played uh, Renee Montoya, but like she's like a face you'd like recognize because she's like kind of all over the place. So. Yeah, the flight attendant. Cool. Very cool. Know. Quick, easy watch. HBO Max. Yeah. So yeah, if you're looking for some like mindless entertainment in this like January cold quarantine, I highly recommend. <laughs> Too real. At least the sun is setting later every day. <laughs> a little bit, just a little bit later. Yeah. Tiny, tiny bit, but you know, yeah. it's less depressing. The dark days of December were when it got. Dark at like four thirty was hard to get through. <laughs> yeah. All right. Anyways, speaking well, of trash, um, well, should we get to our movie of the week? Well, I was gonna say the uh, I was gonna say HBO Max. <laughs> oh, <laughs> that too. <laughs> that was gonna well, be I, my segue. <laughs> clearly, giving away how I felt yeah. about the movie. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> so two different uh, segues here. You pick. Either way, it leads us to the same path to Wonder <laughs> Woman 1984, our feature film of the week. Uh, and um, first off, um, we kind of kick things off with like spoiler warning, um, because uh, especially for like any sort of comic book movie, I feel like anything you say is like a spoiler alert. So. Um, back out now if you don't want to know anything that happens. Uh, and um, we'll cover it beginning to end. Uh, and um, so with that said, uh, if you had to summarize Wonder Woman, your feelings on Wonder Woman in 10 words or fewer, uh, what would you what would you say, Matt? Um, well, mine was, I had mine written down, but now it's a little outdated since Wednesday when, um, they already signed on to another one, but my 10 words or fewer was, um, Patty and Gal get out now. Wah, wah, wah. (laughs) Um, yeah. Uh, would you like to hear mine? 
No, I don't. Let's just no. <laughs> of course, I want to hear this. <laughs> I was waiting for you to say something. Oh, I was like, sorry. Lobbing, I was like lobbing it to you. I was like, I didn't want to take over. My fault. I'm like, yeah. I'm like so tired. I'm exhausted. Yeah. We're filming this. Later. <laughs> um, Andrew, what are your ten words of humor? <laughs> uh, misunderstood camp excellence. Misunderstood camp. Okay, all right. I think it's getting a bad rap on film Twitter, um, and I think it's because people don't like camp, campy shit, and this is extremely campy, so. Yeah, well, we'll get into it. Yeah, so I, like, I don't think it's a perfect film by any means, but I, um, if, like, I feel like you're kind of, with everything these days, you're, like, kind of, like, forced to pick sides and if you have to be like a pro or against um i'm gonna be on the pro side but i'm not gonna die on this hill <laughs> i'll put it that way yeah it's neither here nor there for me That's just yeah like... so um yeah i like i kind of liked it kind of liked it um especially in the, like i thought like the first half was like actually really good to the point where i was like i don't really understand what because I watched it later than, um, than like most people had. I think like a lot of people watched it like Christmas Day and the day after Christmas. I feel I got like four tech. I'm exaggerating. I don't get four texts a day. Um, <laughs> but uh, about the same thing. Um, I got like uh, four texts. Text. You only got three that day. <laughs> yeah. I got a number of text messages like asking about like wonder woman 1984 and um like what i thought and like they hated it and i was like uh that kind of was like it was i knew i was gonna watch it but i was like it was kind of like um daunting to me it was like i was kind of like i don't want to be a part of this discourse whenever there's like extreme discourse about something i'm like i don't want to be a part of it um i will watch it on my own terms and i'll like figure figure it out so i have to like let it cool down which so i waited a whole week <laughs> mm -hmm. which is like uh which is a lot in the online world <laughs> that's that's exactly why i like seeing movies like ahead of time or like pre-screenings because i don't get that public discourse i can like form my own opinion on it and Fortunately, like I was able to do that with this movie. I was able to see it like earlier than most, um, kind of opposite of your case. And I was able to form my own opinion on it. And I I did sort of fall in with the public discourse there, but not entirely to the point where everyone else did. Um, but I do agree with them on a lot of points. Um, so that's like, okay, so this is the exhausting thing for me. Um, about this quote-unquote discourse, keep talking about the discourse, and if you, like, don't know what the discourse is, I can't even tell you what the discourse is, because, like, I feel like people didn't like it, but everyone has something individual that they didn't like about it, and it's, like, all over the place, which, like, but the opinion, at least the consensus that I'm not picking up on is that the movie is all over the place. Um, so it's like confusing as to like, I feel like there's at least one thing in there, if not more, that like people don't like about it. And then there 
they take that one thing like and roll with it like, there's no consensus there's no consensus as to like what the problem with this movie is well for me i feel like it was um i thought people there were two things one was that it felt like it felt like a different movie than the first one the, what i think the public discourse is it felt like a different movie than the first one and most people like people weren't expecting to see this like it didn't it seemed more like um a dceu movie rather than a standalone wonder woman movie like the first wonder woman did it just had that feel to it that vibe um it felt like there was more studio interference which i don't think people like could articulate um but it was there and i thought it was definitely felt and two there's like um i don't think people were expecting like kind of the magical mythical elements to it i think people were kind of thrown off by that because again it's not like based in reality like the first one was um not that I can say like the first one was really based on reality because, but the first one felt more down to earth than this one did. This one felt kind of um, like you said, campy. And um, I don't know. I, I think, I think people more felt like it was more of a B movie than, than anything else. Um, not that it was like awful. My sense is that it's more like mixed to negative reviews. That was rough. So, like um it's like the way this is like has evolved is like so this discourse uh i feel like the word discourse is even exhausting in itself um <laughs> but like the way that like this discourse has evolved is like they screened the movie um for critics and the critics were largely positive on it actually no no, no. shouldn't say largely but positive on it. Um, but like even the positive comments were like all very vague or another thing that I find like exhausting in the COVID era is um, when people call something like the movie we need right now. Um, and so like what they're saying is like, all right, here's this light, fun, fun fluffy thing that, um, that like distracts us from the real world. So, um, uh, like I, I find like, uh, I'm pretty much, uh, I think I might be like done tying movies. to like the pandemic in any sort of way, <laughs> because like, I feel like they either just like highlight pre-existing problems or, uh, of the world or, um, don't relate to it at all. So, and I think people are just like ascribing meaning to something that doesn't have meaning. Um, side tangent that's just like the side tangent so like that is how like the discourse started that like critics were like pretty positive on it um and then um it's almost like after this hbo max stuff which like i feel like isn't really related and um then oh actually i do think it's related because then people saw it and like a lot of people didn't like it um but so the point, the one damage thing that I think the biggest damage thing that I think the HBO Max um, issue of it all is that this like allows more people to see it um, and it allows more people to make memes. And um, this is like a kind of issue that a couple of like Netflix films have run into too. Um, they have these like memes and when these memes come out, then they like 
it's kind of mocking the film in a way. Um, so like, uh, so like there's this big, there's this big meme with like Pedro Pascal's character, um, of like when you said, it say he says something like to the effect of like, um, um, like here's what you can have, but more. And it's like this back and forth meme, um, type of thing. Um, <laughs> this is like, uh, hard. To well, that was, that was in the trailer. No, no. Yeah. Like my point is like that they make this like more accessible. So like, so you go on Twitter now and because like you can watch it at home, it allows people to screen capture and pirate like the movie, frankly. And then they like take clips of the movie and create memes of them. And so like, and then the memes go viral and it kind of like compounds any sort of problem. So like, if you have a meme that is kind of like mocking the film, it's like supposed to be a stupid thing. Um, and you have this like quickly, like after a movie's released. So if you, it kind of like conflates the two of like stupidity and the movie. So um, this has been like a problem for a couple of Netflix movies like Marriage Story and Mank too. Uh, so, um, and it's something that I didn't really even think about until Wonder Woman 1984 of like the viral. Um, and I think that like has a small a small impact on how people view a movie and then that leads to like the discourse and then it just spirals out of control from there so um, that is my theory on one of like the impacts of of HBO Max too so but that is honestly something I've never thought of um but I'd like to like, kind of see a study on that. Like, <laughs> oh my god, oh my god. Like Please what? Do streaming... a meme study. Yeah. Yeah. Like what streaming movies have like been impacted by memes? <laughs> I guess. Yeah, it's just like things going viral. So like the thing with Mank that I'm talking about is like everyone tried to like use the word Mank in um, a title like um, in on the internet. Because, like, the word mank is so weird sounding. So they would always try to, like, put in mank somewhere. And this happened, like, opening weekend a lot um, of the movie. And then, like, with Marriage Story, there's... Um, the Honestly, the Marriage Story is the one that bothers me the most. Is because, like, they took this, like, this really important scene out of context of when um, they get into, like, this big, big fight in Marriage Story. And then instantly it became a meme and they just like used it and i felt like that um i don't know it it, it like lessens the impact a little bit too i feel like i don't know for like dramas in particular i feel like you can't really like make fun of something for like a while it's like let it soak first before like you start to kind of mock it i don't know so like the, how quickly discourse happens is like whoa because if i'm kindness of it all if i'm thinking of it from like a like a business pr perspective i'd be like shoot make all the memes you want because any publicity is good publicity i in my mind and if i'm like the studio execs i'm like hey if like people are making memes about my movie and they're talking about it 
more power to them because it's like drawing them drawing people to see it like at least so the from a business angle the paradox of this all is we'll never know because um hbo max and uh netflix and all the streaming platforms will only tell us uh how well they'll only tell us numbers when they want to brag about something so like we'll never know for sure and there's like a question of what their numbers actually mean so like metrics the metrics of all is is super opaque <laughs> yeah yeah we'll never know yeah but but yeah um, so we'll never know if like memes help or hurt a movie basically i feel like i feel like with something like marriage story it's like no one really knew about it except for the memes that came out of it and that it was nominated for an oscar um other than that like i don't know we'll never know how many people watched it but like it wasn't really talked about not at least of like the oscar nominees the best picture nominees it, i feel like it wasn't really talked about except for like adam drivers <laughs> adam drivers meme which again could draw people to see it good or bad yeah um quick a uh, quick sidebar about um marriage story um i like kind of agree um that it was like talked about less than the other movies however um much like what I talked about with Almost Famous, I think it's reaching the people it needs it needs or wants to reach because like now like you're starting to see um, I'm thinking of one thing in particular, but you're starting to see like little tidbits of like fandom of um, of Marriage Story. Um, the tidbit that I'm thinking of is Taylor Swift like wrote a song on one of her new um, albums that um, was influenced by Barrett's story because she watched Barrett's story. Good. So like that, that sort of thing, like you see um, like reaching the people who like really were like impacted by it. And then they bring out like that, um, that like thought into society. So, and um that's like how that's how like a movie gets legs. So like there are signs of like life of like a long shelf life from Marriage Story. That's my point. So um, Wonder Woman so, is like a whole different thing, though. Yeah. So if you want, if you want people to see your movie, just have Taylor Swift write a song about it. Good to go. <laughs> yeah, you got to influence her first, uh, so she could drop a surprise album. Um, money, money. Yeah. Anyway, back to Wonder Woman. Yeah. So, um, yeah, like, um, I, like, really liked the campiness of it. Mostly, most of it is, like, driven for me by Pedro Pascal, who I think is, like, fantastic in this role. Like, I loved every second Pedro Pascal is on screen. Uh, and he just, like... He fully, he understands the most, like what kind of movie he's in and just like completely goes for it. And his like sheer charisma is like, is brilliant. Um, it's like Camp King. So I loved him as like one of the villains in the story. And he's like, he's, he is like what I will think of when I think of 19, Wonder Woman 1984 is, is my best guess, so. 
Um, yeah, uh, I can't really agree. <laughs> I didn't. <laughs> I didn't love Pedro Pascal. I thought he was f- fine, but he wasn't. He didn't blow me away. Yeah, none of the villains blew me away. I didn't like Kristen Wiig as Cheetah. Um, but like, what, I just keep. What don't you like? Like specifically details. <laughs> oh, sorry. Okay, so uh, for Pedro Pascal. Anything? Yeah. Okay, just so specifics. Uh, so, um, so I I didn't love the campiness of his character. I didn't love the campiness of him. Um, I I guess it was more for me. I guess it was more for me that I, well, maybe I didn't hate him as much as I, or I didn't hate him, but, um, see, like, I'm, you're, I didn't hate anything about this movie. I didn't hate it. I didn't, like, hate any of the people. It's just, I didn't, I didn't love or, like, appreciate Pedro Escal as much as you did. Um, but, but for me, it was like, I guess it was more of the writing and the plots that, that didn't really draw me in. And then he kind of, <sighs> I, I, I don't know. Like, like, I feel like that role should have been more sinister, more more evil, and it, it's hard to put a pin in it. Uh, it's just not a character I'm used to seeing him seeing. Oh, sorry. Mm-hmm. You're saying something. No, no, no. You're good. Okay. Sorry. I thought you were, I thought you were saying It's just not a role I'm used to seeing him in. It, it was just, it was difficult. It was weird for me to watch. It was weird for me to see. Um, I... I liked how, um, oh my God, Kristen Wiig. I like how Kristen Wiig started as Cheetah. I, I thought she was very relatable and um, I enjoyed watching her in the beginning, but when she started like transitioning into her like quote unquote badass like personality and like when like her wish came true, um, I just like, like the vibe didn't work for me there. Um, I missed like the old, the other character like we, we were getting to know. Um, like the nerdy Kristen Wiig. And um, so Cheetah is like supposed to be like, Cheetah is like supposed to be like the Joker of like the Wonder Woman universe. Like she's like, she's like Wonder Woman's Joker. Um, I'm going to stop you right there with the, with the supposed to be like, I, that like kind of like stuff bothers me when like people say supposed to be, or like things are like meant to be like adapted in a certain way. So I, I like really, I really just like that. That, that is like one thing that turns me off. Sorry. Good. Oh, okay. Um, well, so, okay. I don't know how else to put this. Um, so Cheetah is like, I guess the big villain in the Wonder Woman universe. She's like number one, I guess. I don't know how else to put it. Um, so anyway, uh, I, I felt like Cheetah was very watered down. Um, I thought I thought the character was very watered down. I thought the the special effects were watered down. Um, I felt like there wasn't there should have been more focus and effort on Cheetah rather than Maxwell Lord because I think Maxwell Lord is like <laughs> I, he should be to to me to me. I think Maxwell Lord. Sh- should be kind of a behind the scenes villain, like more of like a kingpin rather than, but it, again, I'm not making the movie. I'm not making the movie, so it's not my decision, but like, it's just, it's just nitpicky things that I, I just didn't like, so. 
yeah i didn't i didn't love the characters i didn't love the i didn't love the characters as like as much as i do love the heroes like i liked i like wonder woman i like chris pine i like you know i like gal gadot and i i think she's perfect i wanted more of her and less of less maxwell lord so say so i think um for me one of the mistakes of the movie i think they like I don't think they should have brought Chris Pine back. Um, I think Chris Pine, Chris Pine is great. He's fantastic. Yeah. And he also has like some of the best stuff in the movie, but I think it like, it takes away from the individuality of 1984 compared to Wonder Woman, uh, the first one. So um, by bringing him back in the, and he comes back in the second act, it it removes some of the character development opportunities for the other characters. Yeah, I mean, I I agree. I I, I don't think he should should have come back either. I thought it was. Uh, I thought you said he was your like favorite part. No, no, no. I meant in the first one. I I meant in the first one. I like him in the first yeah. one. Um. But yeah, I wanted like I would have liked to see Wonder Woman have a new love interest or or someone else to really develop that character for her it was like for, i felt like for her you're right like it was it was almost like one step forward two steps back kind of thing like bringing chris pine back it was yeah that, i i thought it was, i always i always thought it was weird that he was coming back but um but yeah i i agree with you there so yeah i, I just that is just like a a big sort of like mistake that i think they how they really could have worked in like a better movie. Um, but uh, there's like um, one of, um, see like one of the things I like the lighter tone for, for this, um, both like lighter tone um, in like levity of story and um, palette i think this is like a like a visually good looking uh, movie even though i've like read some people who like don't particularly like it but um i guess like anything compared to like the complete darkness and self-seriousness of um other dc movies dating back for a long time uh kind of uh sets like my expectations um uh, pretty low <laughs> for color. Um, so, uh, so this like really kind of elevates that, um, for me. So I feel like, um, I very much enjoy the, like the lightness of it. The irony like behind this too is like people have been saying for like a while that they like want light superhero movies, like from like the DC universe and, um, then like they get it and like the people don't like it so it's it's this sort of level of like fan pleasing like how far do you go so but i yeah, think i i I'm have no fans. expectations yeah. i have no expectations for dc movies anymore it's like it is what it is you know you're gonna do what you're gonna do like the flash who knows <laughs> Yeah. yeah like the next or like the snyder cut like which whatever. apparently will be soon i think like 
this year, like in the next three months. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, it's um, also like, I think part of it is like, people haven't gotten a superhero movie in a while too. And they like kind of like forget like a little bit what they're like. <laughs> so, uh, so this is like definitely, um, it, it kind of like crossed off a lot of what I expect from like superhero movies too. So I don't know if that just like didn't ring true for other people. So I think a lot of people are also disappointed that like they had to watch it. They did have to watch it at home. And like, I feel like I, mm, I don't want to say that it would have gotten better reviews if people saw it in theaters, but superhero movies, I think are meant to be seen in theaters. Well, so, any like, movie is meant to be seen in theater, but the like, for example, the like, well, the opening scene, um, for for instance, was like something that um, was filmed on like IMAX cameras, um, and uh, so it's like would be super super cinematic in any theater, get alone IMAX. So um, so like that adds like a level of of um theatricality to it um and the other thing i think the thing that would play better even better in theaters than it does uh, and that it doesn't translate at home um are like the kind of like stupid silly jokes um those like play well in the theater because like laughter is contagious in a sort of way so like Anytime you have this, like, feel like a stupid, like, lighthearted joke that's, like, made, like, one person laughs and then you just kind of, like, chuckle along with it. Whereas, like, at home, it's kind of like you just, like, breathe air out your nose, <laughs> like, at best. So there's this, like, sort of um, camaraderie missing from, from, watching, from watching it at home. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, also, speaking of the ending, uh, or not the ending, the beginning, I felt like we had like two beginnings that were just conflicting with each other. And I thought that was really frustrating. <laughs> I feel like the mall scene, what should have been a beginning in, in and of itself, or like pick one, like, or like the prologue in the on the island where she was a girl. Like, I feel like I didn't need both of those beginnings. I, I don't know. I, that was really kind of dumb. Um, I didn't. I didn't mind the two, I didn't mind like having a prologue, but um, I found it curious, not curious, I found it a missed opportunity that the lesson that she, Di young Diana learns in the prologue, which is like, don't take shortcuts, has like no applicability to the rest of the movie. <laughs> so, um, so it's just like, why even bring that up at all yeah yeah uh yeah i i, I don't know i'm like i was just like pick one or the other but then i read like i read something that patty jenkins like she like like she was told to cut down or cut out the mall scene but she like refused to like she didn't back down which i mean good good on her but again like i didn't need the two the two openings um it just yeah it just was it would just felt off to me felt weird and yeah i don't know um i also like feel like we didn't really 
I don't know. I just feel like I wanted I wanted Maxwell Lord to be like this like ultra villain that like we would really embrace because I like they're like one thing I love about the DC characters in the DC universe is like is like the villains they use. And I just I wanted I wanted to love like I wanted to love to hate like the two villains they were using because I I think I think they're great. I think Cheetah's great. I was so excited to see Cheetah. And I think Maxwell Lord is an awesome character and an awesome villain. Um especially in like the wide array of the DC universe. Um, I don't know, but I just felt like the writing for him just fell flat. And I just don't think we got the introduction that, um, not that we were owed, but like that they could have done with him. Um, again, like I felt a lot of the characters were just really watered down. Um, and I wanted more effort <laughs> put into the side character or put into the supporting characters and villains. And I just, I. For me, I just feel like I didn't get that. Um, so that was a the, little disappointing. The most underdeveloped aspect, I think, um, of this is how quickly everything happens in a time frame. So, like, pretty much the events of Wonder Woman 1984 take place over the course of, like, three days, <laughs> something like that. Um, and so, like, for example, with um, Barbara slash Cheetah, um, Kristen Wiig's character, she, like, starts a job, befriends, like, uh, Diana, uh, Wonder Woman, within a day, and then, yeah. like, and then becomes, um, and then becomes, like, obsessed with her, and then, like, then becomes jealous of her, um, and then, um, like, to the point, like, wants to, like, fight her and destroy her, um, and, and Wonder Woman feels like bad and like guilty about like all this too, as if she had like this great relationship with Barbara. And it's like, girl, you've like known each other for 72 hours. And it's like, you like are going all, <laughs> all in on like a relationship that is pretty non-existent. Uh, so. Yeah. Well, I think it was, yeah, it was more like, I couldn't tell if she was like falling in love with. Oh my god! I actually love that. I yeah. love the queer baiting. I'm like queer team pro queer baiting, uh, but like I loved like this these vibes and like I actually think this is probably like a super gay movie too, which I always appreciate. Oh yeah. Oh, I would hundred percent. But like, yeah, I I just couldn't tell like, like I I think is she falling in love with? Is Barbara falling in love with? Um, Diana to the point where she's obsessed like they could have built that up I guess maybe a little more rather than like you know I want to be like I want to be like like Diana I, I I don't know like that that whole transition was weird I took it for what it was but like that was just like and eh, do I believe that mm, I don't know but also do I believe in a wishing stone mm, probably not um <laughs> yeah I think for for those ones um I can like see how Barbara might like the, these things too, but um, Diana like reciprocated. So like, that's why it was just like weird, but it didn't feel like a whirlwind. It was like, they played it off as if they were old friends, but they were like actually new friends. So, um, but like the same, the same, the, quickness of the timeline like also applies um to um to like 
Pedro Pascal and like how um, one minute, like not one minute, but like he starts off as like a con man, essentially um, uh, Wall Street con man type. And then he's like manipulating people to get this um, wishing stone. Also, the number of times they say the word wish in this movie has got to be a Guinness Book of World Records holder. <laughs> they say wish every 30 seconds. It's crazy. Um, Probably more than all the Aladdins combined. I mean, really, though, it's like to the point where I was like, oh, my God, is someone doing like a shot counter like their <laughs> drinking game? Every time they say wish in <laughs> Wonder Woman 1984, um, you won't make it the two and a half hours. Uh, and um, but like, oh, that's another thing. It was just oh, it was so long. Oh, it was so long. It did not need to be two and a half hours. Sorry. Continue. Well, like that's that like kind of ties into my point of it. Um, he, he moves on to so much in like a short a short time in the um the wonder like woman in the 1984 time frame so like next thing he's like a con man one moment to like uh like manipulator of the smithsonian to the second to the owner of pretty much all the oil in the world <laughs> or half the oil reserves in the world to like to getting um oval office like meetings with the president to like <laughs> to <laughs> like broadcasting like to the whole world the next minute like the progression is insane over the course of like no time at all too so yeah yeah the pacing seems very rushed um i don't I, particularly like the end um much like i don't like the end of the first wonder woman either um yeah, I'm trying to think. I'm trying to like remember what happened in the end. <laughs> oh, where she had the fight with like, yeah, 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 yeah. It was well, yeah. Just like the whole I my biggest pet peeve of all superhero movies, not all superhero movies, but of movies that feel the needs to like put the stakes too high, of like end of the world. So like in the first Wonder Woman thing, it was like the God of War, and so it's like kill the God of War to. Uh, and um, and then like this one ends with like nuclear weapons firing at each other. So um, it's just like well, that was like you know prior to like this whole DCEU Marvel whatever you want to call it, cinematic like war. DC was known to be more of like you know the one thing they had going for it was that they were more of like on the ground like more of like crime stopping heroes rather than end of the world. But now Warner Brothers and DC have felt the need to compete with Marvel and have this end of the world threat every single movie. Like you look at like Superman or both Wonder Woman's or Justice League or the Batman's now. Um, it's like, it's it seems like it's every single movie. Whereas like before, like, I just, I don't know what happened. Like, after The Dark Knight, I don't know what happened. Um, it's You're right, every single movie in the DC universe seems apocalyptic. Um, and it's getting really tiring. Yeah. I don't want to say, like, Marvel's completely hands-free of this, too. Because No, that's what I was saying. Yeah, it's like, yeah. DC, that's the one thing DC had going for yeah. it over Marvel, was that it was down to Earth. Yeah. 
Um, yeah, and so like um, that like aspect I don't like. I think um, it like devolved in a way. Um, so I um, I think this movie. I think the first hour and a half I like pretty much like um, like uh, it's pretty good, and then it's like. Once he's like meeting with the president and then who was like, maybe, maybe not Ronald Reagan. It's like very weird because he doesn't quite look like Ronald Reagan, but he acts like him. So it's just like this unclear thing. Um, but which I found like unnecessary. I found like the whole idea to like meet with the president unnecessary. Um, uh -huh. But then goes to like end of the world stuff. Um, so yeah also like um as far as like subtle hints go um i liked i don't i'm still trying to decide if i liked the nod to the invisible jet or not but i'm like if you're going to use the invisible jet why not just go all in and use it <laughs> rather than just like have a pretty scene through flying through fireworks um like use it at the end or like use it like to your benefit <laughs> rather than just like you know fly to uh wherever they go egypt um <laughs> i don't know like that that didn't that didn't really i don't know I'm, I'm still trying to figure out how that sat with me i think i liked i think i liked it um but i still think they should have like used it a little bit more to their advantage yeah the um well suspension of disbelief that a world war one pilot could just like fly a fighter jet um <laughs> with no training uh so um but that um also that scene also like includes like the part that i think i like laughed out loud the most um which is when like diana's like telling him like all about this like all about the fighter jet and like radar and um the the invisibility idea and then chris pine has this like amazing line delivery uh where he's like well shit diana <laughs> and it is fantastic so uh that like that really uh, that scene is like really great too um yeah i thought i thought it was i thought the whole scene with the them flying through the fireworks. I thought that was beautiful. I thought it was really well shot. Yeah, yeah, it looks really, looks really pretty though. Also suspension of disbelief that like, oh yeah, by the way, it's just like casually July 4th. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah, there's a lot of uh, suspension of disbelief <laughs> for two and a half hours there. Yeah. Um, before I get into superficial stuff, uh, do you have anything else? Uh, I mean, do you want to talk about DC at all? <laughs> that's that's what I was gonna say. Like, I think the DC stuff is superficial. District of Columbia. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. That's what I meant. Yeah. <laughs> Let's decipher. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, super weird, especially <laughs> us being two DCites. Um, Washingtonians. Washingtonians. Yeah. yeah. Uh, super weird. Um, super weird that the green and silver line are in Lafont Plaza. Um, they, spoiler alert, the green and silver line on the Metro did not exist in 1984. Um, the silver Although, line actually... Oh, sorry. Oh, go, no, continue, continue. I was going to say, the silver line actually opened, uh, what, four years ago? Oh. So, yeah. Although, um, 
they do get uh, points for accuracy for immediately after LaFont Plaza, they um, walk up to the Hirshhorn, which is right outside LaFont Plaza. So like accuracy for geography there. Um, yeah. There are a couple other moments where um, everyone in this movie freaking walks by the Washington Monument as if like the Washington Monument's near anything. <laughs> so like all the time. <laughs> and it's like um, uh, there's like one scene in particular where um, Barbara is like at the very beginning, she's like walking from the Washington or she's walking from the uh jefferson memorial past like the washington monument and her job is at like the museum of natural history which is like number one probably about a mile mile and a half walk um to in these like heels which she said she like can't uh walk in and like three there are no like metro stops or bus stops like anywhere near all this stuff so like you play with the geography stuff in your head oh yeah and there's like a moment where they're in the white house like at one moment and then the next moment they like walk out and then they're like by the Capitol, and it's like that's a mile away yeah um, that's so um <laughs> like there's they so there's a lot of play with geography but you would only know that stuff if you like live in dc so like most people like so most people they won't know or care um but they do get points i will give them points for the hershorn and lafa plaza stuff yeah so like i'd love to know like if you see movies and they filmed in your city what did you think it wasn't weird for you um like it was for us because that I, was hmm. well like i think i'm net positive on it um on the dc factor because like no movies or tv shows like ever filmed here um for reasons i meant to look up uh but i forgot to uh so uh listeners if you know why movies uh don't really film in dc that much please let us know I, well so i know some somewhat um it's extremely difficult for filmmakers to get permits to film in a lot of the historic locations um they have to go through rigorous processes and it's a lot easier and uh time consuming for them or less time consuming to just recreate a set rather than uh, go through the process of filming here um because there's a the, it's very hard for them to restrict roads and it's very hard for them to um like film inside actual like historic places like you can't film inside the capitol you can't film inside the white house or the washington monument or wherever um, so that it's easier for them to just recreate it like on a stage or like CGI. Um, so like, I know, like, you know, for example, like Spider-Man, like the first or Spider-Man homecoming couldn't film here. didn't film here, even though they have like this huge scene in DC, um, because you can't get a permit to film inside or up near the close to the Washington monument. So like for them, it was just easier to recreate it somewhere else. Um, so like, I know that much um other than that like like for like also like same thing with like new york a lot of like filming in new york or a lot of um sets that take place sets movies that are set in new york are actually filmed in chicago because it's easier for them for filmmakers to get permits for chicago um you toronto. can't <laughs> yeah toronto yeah. um like you can't like it's very hard for you to for them to film actually in new york city um so that too and like you know 
I know like Georgia too is very lenient with permits. So like, that's why they like yeah, use yeah. Georgia a lot as well. So just like, it's like, I feel like it's like mostly just a permit thing and like a, yeah, working with the city. Yeah, but it feels like, so like, maybe it's just because more movies take place in New York, but um, like they still do New York stuff. Like New York stuff filming is like definitely a thing. And it's like, it's not impossible to film in DC, like as Wonder Woman makes clear, but it's like super, super rare. So it's like, it feels that it's gotta be like, really hard to yeah like like stuff. you also have to think like the roads have to stay open for when the like they have the motorcades have to come through so you can't close the streets down for filming because you know you gotta get the motorcades through and um and like i found it like super weird that they got to like film that much in georgetown like i know it was a, a only a couple scenes but um like i know like they closed down like all of georgetown to film one room and i'm like i don't know how they got that done but <laughs> that's crazy um so like it's it's just i guess these like it's just like all these little things i don't know there was i think i mentioned this on a previous episode but uh i like accidentally saw um some of the scenes like that takes place like in the climax where like chaos reigns on the streets of DC. Um, because I was like walking the streets one day, uh, I didn't do this casually. I was walking somewhere, um, <laughs> but I was like walking down the street and um, we all knew Wonder Woman was filming. And out of like the corner of my eye, I see like a car on fire. And I'm like, oh my God. But there was like no fire trucks, no like first responders anywhere or like people to be found. And this is like pretty far away. Um, but I was like, what is like going on? Like, why is no one doing anything? But I was like late. So I just kept walking. Um, <laughs> so you did nothing either. <laughs> I did nothing. Um, but... Andrew, the innocent bystander. <laughs> yeah. But, and it was far away, so it was kind of like, uh, someone else will see it before I do. And this is broad daylight, broad daylight, on a weekend. Um, and I, it didn't hit me until, like, a full day later that I was like, oh my god, that was definitely Wonder Woman filming. Because there was, like, there was no one around, and I know exact, and I know exactly where it was because they were on, like, Pennsylvania Avenue, which is where, in the near climax of the movie, um, like, chaos reigns in the streets, and, like, there are cars, like, cut, like, on fire, and just, it's just chaos everywhere, um, and madness, and I was like, and that's exactly where this would have been, so I was like, yep, yep, that was it, so I had my um, suspicions confirmed that it was... All right. Well, early preview for you, I guess. Yeah. Also, I applied to be an extra in this movie to be a runner, and I was rejected. Oh, uh, so what was the scene? Did you see this? I, there were multiple scenes where there's, like, just runners. But what the caveat is, is that when I applied to be the extra, they mentioned specifically that they would be filming in, like, Northern Virginia. And every scene that I saw where there were runners in the background at least in like running attire were in Washington DC, like around the monuments. So, so that makes me like wonder, I don't know other than that, like maybe the mall scene. I don't know. Yeah. I had heard actually that 
majority of the movie is filmed in Virginia, but there are like the scenes out in DC, theirs were actually filmed in DC, but like, but like the other like 70% where like, you really don't, it's like, yeah, it could be anywhere. The, I heard that was Virginia, but that's just what I No, heard. no, no, you're, um, you're right. But like the, the scenes where there were runners, like that was definitely, D it was definitely DC. It was because mm -hmm. like, I knew exactly where they were, like the, the footpaths. <laughs> I was like, oh, it's like, oh, okay. Um, so. Uh, yeah, I like freaked out when like, I liked it like the Leonardo DiCaprio meme when he's like looking at like the TV from Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Oh um, yeah. When they were like kissing on the, the bridge in Georgetown, like over like the. Yep the expressway i was like i know i cross that bridge all the time yeah. um so that was that was funny uh yeah it's just it's super weird i don't know i just like i just thought the weirdest the weirdest part of seeing it was them filming actually in the metro station i'm like <laughs> like that i could have used like a stage like that that was just like too real um, um i actually well, have like chris pine's reaction is like really great <laughs> yeah yeah um i always have like a big problem though with like senate and house hearings because like i'm really close to that and like they're <laughs> never accurate and they're never right especially when it comes to the media portion so yeah. the closer the closer you are to something like the more the more you're removed from it the, actually yeah, yeah yeah it's um like the like the closer you are to real real situ real world situations like the more like it's unrealistic for you like than anyone yeah. else yeah, because of like to most people, they won't pick up on the detail, like the small details. Yeah, and like to but, us, it's like, oh my yeah. god. So. But it's something you notice, like it's something you notice very easily too. So, but like we're in a small subset of people who would like see it otherwise. So. Yeah, yeah. But like, but that just means like in situations where I'm completely unfamiliar with, I just like get to play dumb because I don't know any better. <laughs> And I guess like that's the whole point of this podcast too is like you know we're the two we're two people who are disconnected from LA but we like we we see all the stuff that's not part of LA and that's our reaction to it. So yeah, yeah, like all the filming, uh, filming in LA, which probably takes like two hours to get every everywhere in LA, and yeah, and everyone's like eh, yeah. 30, 30 seconds and <laughs> in there, so. Yeah. All right. Well. Ooh. Uh, anything else you want to add for uh, WW1984? I don't know. I think, um, well, now that I guess the next one's confirmed, I hope we can start focusing on maybe more recent get out of the period Wonder Woman's. I don't know. Maybe, maybe Wonder Woman present day would be next. Uh, yeah. Oh, one thing I do appreciate um, about this is that they like this doesn't like tie into like Justice League like at all. <laughs> so one nineteen eighty four. So like they never bring up like anything like that. Like it exists on its own terms, which I like. Um, so uh, I almost like forgot Justice League existed. I was like, oh, God, <laughs> for good reason. Yeah, uh, that is one thing. Like this movie is better than Justice League. And Batman vs Superman. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, like, because that's like present day Diana. Mm -hmm. So. Yeah, 
Yeah, I'd actually like to see her like revisit her home and like I I actually want more like Robin Wright and um, Connie Nielsen. I I love their characters. I wish they weren't like they both didn't have such small roles in the last two movies. I think like I would like to see them more interact with a grown up Gal Gadot. Except I think one of them's dead. <laughs> um, yeah, I could add timey wimey stuff. I mean, now we got timey wimey. I love it. <laughs> every like every superhero movie does like a timey wimey thing. <laughs> I'm gonna start saying timey wimey yeah. every day. I'm gonna start incorporating that in my daily vocabulary. Because <laughs> how how else would you describe it? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> it always gets weird yeah some sort of time time trap yeah please include that in the description of this week's podcast (laughs) somehow in the 80s excessive 80s yeah no more 84 i'm done with 84 we've had wonder woman 84 and american horror story 1984 no more 84 Let's move George to the Orwell, next. George Orwell, 1980. George Orwell, yes. No more. I'm done. I'm done. Um, let's move on to at least the 90s or maybe the 2000s. We're going to get 2000s nostalgia here pretty soon. I promise. I know. It's sorry. already starting. It's already starting. Yeah. So. Um, yeah. Again, like, if they do it right, then I'm fine. But I think most people are just trying to relive glory when they do mm-hmm. nostalgia. Yep. So. It's always, like you said, 20 year, 20 year glory. 2001. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, Wonder Woman 2001. All right. Oh well, my God, that would probably that would be so weird. That would involve 9/11 in some ways. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> <you> just... <laughs> I said it. I said it. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. Uh, All right. Well. Well, never thought I would end the podcast on a 9/11 reference. Ending it. Ending it. Ending it. 9/11. <laughs> um. All right. Well. Do you have anything else to add? Uh, no, I mean, like, I, I feel like I was on, like, I put myself in a defensive position. I, like, don't think this movie is amazing. I, like, want to make that, like, clear. Like, it has, like, pretty big problems. But, um, um, but like, I got enjoyment out of it. Like, and at the end of the day, I feel like that it did its job for me. So, uh that's why I'm. That's why I feel uh, happy about it. Yeah, I didn't hate it, but I didn't like it. So I'm like very in the middle. So I think like we were here, but we're like here. But you you can't see this because you're listening to this podcast, not watching it. So um, yeah, like we're like somewhere near the middle, but like you're kind of on the like it and I'm more of the like the don't like it but like we haven't quite met in the middle and that's okay we're allowed to disagree um but yeah yeah I think I'm mostly if you couldn't tell from my like 20 minute rant I think I'm just like more annoyed with like the discourse with like the public discourse about the movie rather than the other stuff I'm just like over discourse film discourse in general we're gonna say discourse more than they say wish uh, yeah uh maybe i should just i know i should just take a break from twitter <laughs> oh you definitely should you definitely should um i made that mistake a long time ago and i was glad i got off i'm not off twitter but i follow certain accounts and that's like the only thing i do on twitter now 
because uh, I get I when I go on Twitter, I go into a deep dive and I do not. It sometimes does not work out. Most of the time does not work out in my favor. So, yeah, yeah, I avoid yeah. Twitter. So. Not to be too like, um, like moon faced about it, but like, uh, it's so it's just like negative. <laughs> so, that, so negative. Yeah, um, it so will bring your mood down. Yeah. Um, so, but it's addicting. It's so addicting, mm -hmm. which is why. Yeah. Uh, so I do it. Yeah. So I just like good vibes, good vibes only. <laughs> and uh, thanks for letting me um, talk about my trash TV briefly. I, uh, yeah. yeah, anyone who wants to talk more about trash TV, just let me know. Well, uh, I'll, I'll join you. Please. Um, I love trash TV. I love trash TV. <laughs> Too bad our, well, I'm pretty sure we should double check offline, but our next episode, um, is going to be like super heavy. <laughs> oh no. What is it? <laughs> Pieces of a woman on Netflix. Oh, is that coming out? Oh yeah. no, I gotta watch it. Okay. Yeah, it definitely oh, comes ugh. out. Yeah. Awkward timing. Come, I know. Comes out on Friday. Well, it was released in limited theaters in like late December, uh, and now comes out on Netflix uh, on Friday, um, starring Vanessa Kirby uh, and Ellen Burstyn. Um, also Shia LaBeouf, so that would be that conversation. <laughs> yeah, I, um, so there's that. And then I've also got a bunch of recommendations you gave me on Wednesday, which I still want to get around to. So hopefully this week, oh. I'll be able to talk to you about some more. I still need to see like Crip Camp and I, um, another round's on my list, but like um, the 40 year old version is like on my list for this week. So I'll hit you back next week and let you know my thoughts. Very cool. Uh, Crip Camp is like also heavy but uplifting, and um, another round is is fun. It has serious moments, but it's fun. And um, the forty year version is a lot of fun too. So none of those. I like. I get the feeling pieces of woman, which is about like um, a couple who uh, goes through a great tragedy uh, um, in a childbirthing situation <laughs> so um yeah so that's probably going to be very depressing uh so uh <laughs> but the other movies that you just lifted i think are like at least more optimistic and full yeah. of life well i look forward to all of them yeah so. all right well that's enough blabbering from us um <laughs> but uh yeah so it I guess I'll take us out. Uh, we'd love to hear more from you. Uh, let us know what you think of the podcast and what you thought of Wonder Woman 1984, if you got a chance to watch, now available on HBO Max. Uh, you can reach us on Twitter at RepeatStepPod and on Facebook at Facebook.com slash StepAndRepeatPod or send us an email at StepAndRepeatPod at gmail.com. Uh, you can also find more of our reviews on Letterboxd. I am at A-Shine. I'm Grant1219. <laughs> Andrew is at A-Shine. And... Um, Please spend a few seconds to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Your reviews help us get new listeners. And if you give us a five-star review, we will give you a 60-second review of any film of your choosing, any movie. Give us those. Please give us those uh, five-star reviews. We want to rate your movies, no matter what it is. Um, so until next time, thank you so much for listening. And I think I speak for Andrew when I say it's an honor just to be considered.